Fauzi. I'm your host for today, Fauzi Mesmar. And I'm Ram Ismail, and I have just woken up. <laughs> and if Osama uh, Dorius was here, he'll probably sound a bit uh, uh, like he's just woken up, because he got a bit of a sore throat, isn't he? He does have a bit of a sore throat. I hope he's doing well. I, I know he's gotten, uh, he tested positive for COVID after the, um, after the Game Developers Conference uh, last week. Yeah. I checked it out um, today and he said he's feeling okay. It seems like he's got, it's a mild case, but his, um, yeah. his throat is a bit yeah. worse, so he can't really speak on a mic. <laughs> mild for COVID is still pretty strong, you know? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I, learned, that, I learned that with aviation. <laughs> yeah. Is that the word mild does not mean what we think it we mean. <laughs> the word light means what we think mild means. The word mild means what we think moderate means. And the word moderate me- is what we think terrible means. <laughs> uh, or the other way around. So everything is one step further. I blame Nando's. Nando's for, uh, because <laughs> it disassociated what, what mild means to me. <laughs> it, it apparently mostly comes from uh, from weather. So when people say, you know, there'll be some, uh, the, there will be some mild wind or something, uh, people think it means light wind, but it actually means like medium winds. Okay. Uh, and apparently I just went into language and now we all use mild as if it means <laughs> not that much. I guess for you, before coming on a plane, jumping on a plane, you probably want to know exactly what right. what's the wind condition. <laughs> right. But then when people go like, oh, you know, we have moderate turbulence. I'm like, oh, okay. And I go on the airplane and my airplane is being rocked around. Like, you know, I'm <laughs> on a, it, uh, that's not great. And they go like, but you said moderate. And they're like, yeah, that means pretty intense. I'm like, wait, what? You've been flying around in all kinds of places recently. I saw that you May. flew over the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, Fozzie. I flew over the Golden Gate Bridge, and that's not even the coolest part of that story. Yeah. Um, so I got to fly in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy, Nick, at a, at a local flight school, um, just basically gave me the okay to fly with him, uh, which I need because I'm not allowed. Since I don't have my license yet, I'm still training. I can't fly without an instructor in other countries. Okay. Right? If I want to fly in another country, I need somebody in the airplane next to me. So we, I was, uh, I went to a flight school in Palo Alto, nice. uh, south of San Francisco, and we kind of talked through the plan. And I really had the Golden Gate Bridge as my bucket list item, right? Nice. I've flown over the Grand Canyon. I've flown over the Hollywood sign. Obviously, I wanted to fly over the Golden Gate. And the guy just goes, "Okay, there's two ways of getting there. A, we can fly over the bay, which is beautiful." Or B, we can use something called the San Francisco uh, International Transition. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know what a transition is made. And he's like, well, it's basically a flight route where you have to keep the very specific rules. Okay. But if you do it, you can go through airspace that would otherwise be uh, inaccessible. So there's parts of the air that are called uh, Charlie or Bravo or Alpha airspace, and those are usually not accessible, right? You need special permission to go through them. And a lot of that airspace won't be accessible, especially if you, um, especially if you haven't filed a, fo- a flight plan or they're not aware that you're coming. Okay. Um, and these transition routes are basically special paths through it 
through that airspace that will let you through. Now, I've seen those everywhere. Um, I've seen them in LA, um, and there it's called a corridor, so they call it somewhere else. But there's a corridor that goes right over Los Angeles International Airport. Mm -hmm. Like literally over the middle of the runway. Wow. And the reason it's there is because obviously on either end of the runway, airplanes might be taking off. But right over the runway, there will never be an airplane taking off. <laughs> so they have a they have a transition route, uh, a corridor where you can fly a tiny airplane right over LAX. And it turns out they have a corridor like that in San Francisco that is usually open unless the winds are standing a very specific way, because then airplanes will be taking off in that direction. Mm -hmm. So I started by flying over San Francisco International Airport. Nice. Which is wild because you're just watching the Boeings like take off under you and right, land. You get to, to the see right so many you. planes uh, that are around S you, basically. Right. There's just Boeings landing to my left, uh, to my right. There's like taxiing airplanes under me. Wow. Like you're you're watching aviation from like the realest spot possible. Yeah. So then we fly to San Francisco and it's pretty cloudy. Um, so we were pretty sure that we were not going to see the Golden Gate Bridge, right? Because it was very cloudy. And then the guy, Nick, goes like, you know what? Let's let's pop out to Sausalito because the clouds end somewhere around here, right? Mm -hmm. So Sausalito is on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. It's the, the side of the Golden Gate that people usually don't think about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we fly there, and he's right. There's no clouds there. And he goes, well, do you want to pop under the clouds real quick and see the bridge? I'm like, yeah, because we can't go through clouds, right? Uh, visual flight rules means I can't go through clouds. So yeah. I basically do a descending eight pattern. So I fly in the shape of an eight. Yeah. As I descend, and I pop under the clouds, and there's the bridge. Oh, wow. And it's amazing. And I have this amazing photo because I gave the instructor the controls of the airplane for a moment. I did an amazing photo of the Golden Gate sitting under the clouds, and the clouds are exactly hitting the top of the bridge, and there's no other way to get that photo than be in an airplane or helicopter or something. Um, so I took that one, and then we decided to take the bay route on the way back, right? Because yeah. there's less clouds. Yeah. So we take the bay route, and on the bay route, you come across another Bravo airspace, but this is not as strict. This is Oakland International Airport. And around Oakland International Airport, there's a Bravo airspace so that uh, small airplanes can't get in the way of landing Boeings, right? But they're relatively chill about it because it's not as busy an airport as San Francisco is, right? Yeah. So we fly into their Bravo after we get permission. And then the instructor suddenly looks at me and goes, hey, you want to do some touch and goes here? Oh, wow. I have never considered that you can ask a big international airport to do touch and goes. Yeah. So I go like, yeah, can I? He's like, yeah, we'll ask. So he goes on the radio and he goes like, hey, is it okay if we do a few uh, touch and goes? And they just go like, yep, uh, <laughs> runway 28 right. Uh, you know, you're you're cleared for the option. And I'm like, well, uh, oh, they have a couple of runways to spare. Uh, do you expect like, you know. So yeah, they have, three, they have three runways, right? 28 right, 28 left. Those two are in parallel. There's maybe 500 feet between them, mm -hmm. right? And then they have 30 which is a larger runway, which is a little bit further out in the, um, in the distance, a little bit further away. Um, so we get 28 right. So it turns out two things are really cool about the 28 runways. A, 28 uh, means that the runway is basically positioned mostly uh, westbound. 
Now, Oakland is directly to the east of San Francisco, mm-hmm. which means that if you take off from 28, you're taking off right towards San Francisco. Just we, the city and on the horizon in front of you. It's cool. beautiful. You get amazing views of the city then. Gorgeous. So I come in for my first landing, and I was like, is that San Francisco? Oh, my God, that's San Francisco. He's like, yep, that's San Francisco. I'm like, wow. So I'm just landing. I'm half paying attention to what is happening. You know, I, I land the airplane well. I pay enough attention. Um, but it's just a beautiful view. And, like, every time the airplane is, like, configured and it's going the right way and we're on the glide slope, um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're coming in properly. They have these big lights to the left of the runway that maybe if you've ever flown airplanes, you've seen them. There's these, these four lights in a row. They're called a papi. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are uh, a precision approach indicator. So they help you do, they help you land properly. And they're just very simple lights. It's just four lights with a mirror in the middle. Yep. And uh, the mirror is angled slightly different for each of them. And basically the way they work is the top half of the lamp is white and the bottom half is red. Mm-hmm. And because the angles are slightly different, um, at different altitudes, they'll show you a different color. Oh, yeah. So they're angled in such a way that if you're too high for the perfect light slope, yeah. they'll all be white. And if you're too low, they'll all be red. I remember my uh, pilot friend showed me this and I... And I thought to myself, it, it, we, we, I, I think life is more complicated than it actually is. It seems like such right. a, such a simple mechanism that has such an um, incredible impact. Right, because the rule is, if you've got two white and two red, you're coming in right. Yeah. If you have too many white, right, you're coming in uh, too high. And if you've got too many red, you're coming in too low. Yeah. Um, so I have my poppy perfect, right? Two white, two red, San Francisco in the distance. I touch down, I take back off. He goes, you want to go again? I'm like, I want to go again. Mm-hmm. So we loop around and I go again, another landing, another takeoff. He goes, one more? I'm like, one more. And as I'm going, uh, as I'm flying base, which is basically in the opposite direction of the runway to get ready for another, for another, like, you know, I'm going to turn back and then land again. A Boeing comes on the radio, a 737, and goes, oh. hey, we're coming in for landing. And Oakland just goes, yep, all right, tw- 28 left. Now, I'm landing on 28 right, and there's 500 feet between these runways or something. Right? Mm-hmm. And I now know that there's a massive Boeing coming our way, and I'm slow. This Boeing is going to be there in a minute, and I still have like a minute and a half of base left to fly. So as I'm coming in, I see this massive airplane, enormous, oh my God. I'll be coming straight at me. <laughs> it's literally coming like, like <laughs> that part will be like, I should lie, lie, lie. <laughs> <laughs> So this Boeing is coming pretty much straight at me. Um, and then obviously, you know, I'm still flying base, so I still have to make my turn. And my instructor goes like, "Hey, take this turn a little wider, uh, a little, a little uh, steep, okay? Because we don't want to be near where the Boeing is, because it turns out that the engines of a Boeing create really powerful ripples in the air, something called wake turbulence. Yeah. And if your airplane, your tiny Cessna, hits the wake turbulence of a Boeing 737, you're not going to have a good time. <laughs> 
So the instructor basically says, okay, we're going to land very late on this runway. We're going to stay as high as possible because as soon as the Boeing hits the ground, they're going to use their inverters yeah. and the wake turbulence will limit. So we're going to go over where the wake turbulence is. The wind was also slightly our way, so it was pointing the wake turbulence at us. So we have to land very late. So I have to. there's a very large part where I'm going to have to fly slow. Mm-hmm. Which, is, uh, you know, it's a complicated task. So it's also a different approach. It's all a little complicated. But I watched this Boeing. This is a massive airplane just sat down on the runway to my left. And I continue my, my approach. And then the best thing that has ever happened happens to me. The terminal is to the right of my runway. The Boeing landed to the left of my runway. The only way for the Boeing to get to the terminal is across my runway. Hmm. So the Boeing go basically goes, you know, like, you know, clearing runway 28 left, requesting taxi. And the tower goes, okay, you can taxi cross runway 28 right after the, after the Cessna and then continue to the terminal. So I got right of way from a Boeing 737. Wow. <laughs> I just landed. I watched this giant airplane sit there waiting for me accelerated, stared into the cockpit, and then flew off again. <laughs> I bet this is not part of the standard aviation training. <laughs> no, no, at least not in the Netherlands. We can't even get near Schiphol, man. Yeah. Like, they don't let us near that airport. Just that we can land at Oakland <laughs> was wild. That's crazy. So, oh, yeah, the- no, watching the Boeing sit there and waiting for me was just really good. Wow, man, that's a hell of an experience. Like you said, if you can't get it in the Netherlands, it's good that you get experience in yeah. when you're traveling. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, I I really like the international travel because it's just different there. Like the airplane works the same, but everything else is different. And it's just, yeah. it's really nice to learn. Man, like uh, you should update the Is Your Rami in the Netherlands website to uh, which airspace is Rami at today? <laughs> oh my god i should keep a list because i already have the data i log all my flights i can make a list of everywhere i've flown and make that available online or that would be cool That'd be man cool. that would be cool that would be cool i got people to keep track of your sky adventures anyway how are you Yifosi? because we haven't spoken for a while yeah man uh, life has uh, went back to normal all of a sudden it seems right <laughs> you know like like overnight the uh, the pandemic uh, seems to be over and life went back to normal so i'm <laughs> back on the plane as well but as a passenger yep. mostly i did my talk yep. at gdc but remotely because like you know yep. the, the the event asked me to confirm if i was going to come or not back in january and january right. was still insane so I was like, yep. yeah, remote. <laughs> we'll deal with that later. So I did the I, talk. That yeah, was pretty I fun. Did, I did the opposite. I said, I'll come, but um you're gonna have to you're gonna have to uh, apologize. You're gonna have to forgive me if I if I don't go. Yeah. I you know, like I I, I came back and forth so many times on this. Like, there's a part of me like, I'm uh, oh, I'm having so much fun. I'm not at GDC. These guys are having so much fun. Right. So, all these people got COVID. Did I dodge a bullet? You know. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't know. Can't I'm, still, I'm still negative. And I'm kind of feeling like that's wrong. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, I mean, like, before the pandemic, every time I went to GDC, I flew back with the flu. So yeah. I'm like, I've had the flu every time after GDC, hands down. So I was like, this time it's going to be COVID. And I have all these things that I need to do straight afterwards. So right. maybe it's uh, not worth the risk. Um, this Friday right. is my graduation. So I'm currently in the UK. 
my graduation ceremony for my master's got delayed by a year. No. But I'm finally doing that, wearing the hat and <laughs> and all of yeah. that. And then I'm off to business travel for the rest of the month. So. Oh wow. Yeah. You're doing it more hardcore than me. I mean, I was in Saudi for the last few, uh, I was in Saudi for the last few days. <laughs> I was in GDC for the week. Yeah. But that's uh that's going hard. Yeah, it's like I said, it's it's, it's kind of like went back all at once and uh, I'm trying to kind of like sort things out between my personal schedule, my business schedule, speaking engagements. Right. So like there are now like, you know, conferences are trying to book me for May and I was like, ah, oh, it's already yep. booked peeps like yep. you gotta have more than two months ahead if uh, when i work something yep out. yeah i'm the same i've also had to turn down somebody because they're double booking yeah uh, so we uh, seem to be in very different speaker circuits you know i've noticed yeah, that I, yeah i like i think you and i like interact on like the big events but, right but then we have the different thing but, but but you know like because i'm uh i lean more academic and you lean right more, or triple a and you lean more indie so yeah. uh, they have the different circles there, but then like at the big events, we're both there, you know. Yeah, yeah. I it's just really funny. I feel like we sh- we should we should do some work to make sure we end up at the same conference a bit more often because then we get to play some more lethal league. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Or like you know, uh, maybe that will be the time you finally onboard me on Destiny or something. Yes. <laughs> oh, Destiny is so good right now, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bore you with that. It's really good right now. Though. We should sync up. We should sync up. Yeah. So it, uh, it's probably the best it's ever been. I, I I've been reading a lot on the internet, the discourse, and I've listened right. to you talk about it last week. It sounds pretty dope. Oh yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. That that was a funny episode. Doing it in the park was a disaster <laughs> and very good. It's so funny because I hear people, like the voices of people I know coming in and out of right. the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. Yeah, so like yeah, usually when I'm when I'm on the go, depending on where I'm going, if I know that where I'm going has a good internet connection, then yeah. I'll I'll be able to continue playing the games I'm playing via remote play. Right. So basically, more Elden Ring. Right. Uh, <laughs> because like I can't move the PS5 anywhere. <laughs> no. It's yeah. it's not portable at all, and I'm playing Elden Ring on PS5. So like uh, when I'm traveling, I'm only playing it on remote play. But right. uh, this trip, I didn't uh, play any Elden Ring just yet, but I started playing Ghostwire Tokyo uh, on my PC. Okay. Yeah. yeah. How is it? Interesting game. Uh, it it feels very standard when it comes to the open world design. Uh, right. But instead of towers, it's Tori Gates, you know? Yeah. There's the different sections of the map. There's violent fog that will kill you unless you clear the Tori gate and then the the fog disperses and then now you can explore get the collectibles and do the side quests stuff like that right so, it's, so like it's very familiar when it gets to that, uh, right. that, that so it, it works uh, the setting for me is interesting because it's shibuya so it's yeah, it's a which, part. It's you a, know, yeah. I lived I lived in Akasaka, so it's like a twenty five minute walk from. Uh, okay, it could be a bit more, maybe like half an hour walk to Shibuya. But like I used to be in Shibuya a lot, so I know the area quite well. Yeah, uh, living in the west side of Tokyo, so really know the area quite well. So for me, it's a bit nostalgic. It's kind of like the same nostalgia I get when I play a Yakuza game. Right. 
in which like oh yeah, yeah i know this place i know this area like i hang out here one night and all of the stuff it, it makes me uh, homesick <laughs> when i play these kinds of games and i yeah. totally get a lot of homesickness playing uh, ghostwire tokyo just because of the shibuya setting so yeah personally i'm but, attached in that way but is it just a normal is it just a, is there anything good about the game or is just the setting nice uh, so the setting, uh, the the interesting part that I find good about the game so far, I am yet to see the the like how far it develops. I played three hours of it, I think, over the past couple of days. There's no gunplay per se, because right now I just shoot uh, energy from my fingers <laughs> and uh, use a crossbow. Finger gunplay. Yeah, we get finger gunplay. The finger gunplay is solid. when it comes to shooting lasers from your fingers and tangling enemies with like laser shaped lassos it's it's there (laughs) okay but yeah i am everything about this game is okay i am yet to see anything that like i think coming out of uh, off of elden ring it feels like you know a big change from exceptional to just okay I've been told one thing, and I would like to know if you agree with it. I've been told that they handle consumables in a very specific and interesting way. Do, do you know anything about that? Consumables in a specific way. Not that I can think about immediately. Like, right. uh, I, I remember some of the collectibles and all of that. But- yeah, because somebody said that this game solves the potion issue. Which, okay. that's a big claim, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what is uh, it exactly. Maybe I need to play a bit more to focus on that. Yeah. I was like playing. Yeah, it. no, or maybe it comes later. It sounds like you're near the start of the game. Yeah, but very I, uh, early. I, I, it, it went on my, okay, I'm going to play this because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, now I want to pay attention to it. Because like after right. that, like <laughs> I played the one session and I was kind of like, um, the story is a bit all over the place, and like I'm trying to see something new, but it's not that fresh for me. Right. So like right, after right, that right, first right. session, I was like, "Am I gonna play more of this or not?" But now when you can also play Elden Ring. Yes, especially when there's so much more Elden Ring to play. I've only sixty hours right. in, and yeah, no, that's so... barely anything. That's like that's like me and Destiny saying I've only played sixty hours. There's so much more to go. So yeah, exactly. I, but I'm, I, it was now knowing about the option stuff, uh, the potion stuff. Maybe I'll I'll play some more, and right? See what more I, the game. I is will say it was so funny listening to you guys do the the Elden Ring episode. <laughs> I I heard your commentary. Well, the thing is, like, <laughs> I think I did it on purpose because I could we were like, Rami's not here, and we both played Elden Ring, so maybe we'll spare him <laughs> and not. Yeah, no, you were very, you were very explicit about it. You were like, Rami ain't here. Let's talk about Elden Ring. So I expected, okay, let's listen to like fifteen minutes of Elden Ring, <laughs> and they went for two and a half episodes. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, babies. Yeah, in, in every in, in everyone's defense, this is probably one of the biggest releases of the year. So it, it I mean it is it could Bastiani, get its, um, you know <laughs> could get its fair share. You know. At some point there's there's been enough eldering, you know? 
I mean, like we've, we've, we've spoke about Game Pass almost every episode. <laughs> here, here we go again. We do it again. Actually, hey, what did you think? I, I wanted think? To, to, to ask you a pretty much, I think, the same question. What did you think of the Sony Pass? Yeah, no, I mean, it's we knew it was going to come in a little, a little less exciting than Game Pass. Mm-hmm. That was always going to happen. Yeah. Uh, that did happen. It did, yeah. Um, so, you know, there was nothing there that was uh, particularly shocking to me. Yeah. Um, I will say I had, I had hoped that it would have been... The, the reasoning that Jim Ryan gave in an interview that it would harm income too much to not add Sony Interactive Studios games to it yeah. is exactly the reasoning that people are not going to like. Yeah. Which is that the program ain't going to earn enough to make up for... Like, have you seen what Game Pass... Like, they bought Activision Blizzard yeah. off of Game Pass money. They'll be You'll be fine with Game Pass money, but it's still... It shows that disconnect that um especially high up sony leadership seems to have mm. um and then obviously as soon as you hit harriman it kind of like it works from there down yeah but it's clear that that above that the the you know it's still a very old-fashioned sort of company it, it thinks well we do sales well so let's keep doing sales yeah that's a bit of a shame yeah that my i did the tiered approach I also found a bit confusing, and it's just not something I enjoy as a consumer. Going like, oh, so which one should I get? The plus supreme, the the essentials, yeah, the ultimate. ultimate. You know, like there's so many different names, and each one of them gets something extra. But as extra as it gets, I think it's still like the offering from the Game Pass is so superior. Yeah, because they include new stuff. Yeah. I mean, like if I if I have both consoles, I will play the Sony exclusives on the PS5 yeah. and everything else on the Xbox. Yeah. Be- because why wouldn't I? Yeah, because the other thing costs money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of speaking of opinions, mm. what did you think of the uh, of the showcases? Uh, sorry, of the show of the award winners because our our Habibi uh, Osama yeah. hosted the uh, uh, the GDC awards. Which I heard he did an it, amazing job. I want to see it, videos it, of that if I can. It was both beautiful and terrible. <laughs> it was beautiful in that he looked great. He did such a good job. Yeah. It was terrible in that he really brought his dad joke energy, like full on. <laughs> Well, maximum dad joke energy you know what they say when you're on stage you gotta be you <laughs> well you know they didn't expect somebody to be that you as osama he, he went all in <laughs> he went it. hardcore he opened with a knock knock joke i love it <laughs> did you know that i heard yeah i heard he's he mentioned he, do, do you want to know the joke yes you're gonna have to go along with me with this okay okay it goes knock knock who's there Halo. Halo who? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the game event. That's how he started. Oh, my God. Really? Osama. No. And then his third. And then, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Game Developers Choice Awards 2022. I've been told to always start with my best joke to really set expectations. 
<laughs> that's good. Now, that part that's was good. really funny. That's good. That part was really good. That part killed me. But the dad joke energy was exact was exactly the energy yeah, but, that the Halo joke had. But now when you say the, the whole show. thing, it's uh, it's uh, you know pretty brilliant comedy. You got the setup, yeah, that then was the good. punch. That was good. I, yeah. I was immediately tired. <laughs> But he did such a wonderful job. Oh, that he, uh, awesome. I was watching the Twitch chat and I was watching like response and people were just really, really enjoying the, the you know, it was a little cringe, but it was cringe in that way where you own it and then cringe suddenly becomes cool. That good old Habibi cringe. Is, uh... It's like, and he he had really good transitions. Nice. Uh, so, you know, Osama brought his best Osama. Yeah. Uh, and he looked good. Nice, yeah. I saw like, the pictures with the red cap and the red shoes. Uh, r- yep, yep. No, dashing. everything was there. That's awesome. Ha- very handsome on that stage. Just terrible jokes. <laughs> Just really. It was every time he got, you know, D- Osama has that superpower of going from like really, really punny to like very sincere in like a sentence. Yeah. And he did that. And yeah. that was really beautiful. So. Really? That's our Habibi right there. I'm so proud. That's, that's our Habibi. So yeah, proud. I think it's the bit like the biggest FOMO I had in missing GDC is yeah. that I couldn't be there for him during that moment. I normally don't even go to the award ceremony anymore because yeah. it's just you know it's unless I go to support somebody, it's not really worth going to for me. Yeah, which is every year for you because you must have right. somebody every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, usually I end up in the VIP section, uh, which is nice. But, the, you know, it's the it's the kind of thing where you think about it and you're like, well, you know, um, unless unless I'm going to end up there to support a friend, yeah. I would rather watch awards from my phone. Yeah. Because I get to actually, like, do something in the meanwhile. <laughs> Um, uh, lots of good games won though inscription unpacking oh. hey, many motorways even won the audience choice right and did you uh, did you see that um that they agreed with our our ratings very much you didn't know to go, yeah. need to go to the gdc award you could just listen to the <laughs> just listen to the habibis get the scoop right here yep we're <laughs> months ahead months ahead um but it's good to know that our finger is on the pulse of the industry <laughs> I mean, like we didn't do anything weird at this point. Thank God, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, all, sh- we probably should. After all this time in the industry, if our pulse is not on, that uh, we're doing something. Well, wrong. <laughs> that's true. No, our pulse is our pulse is also not different. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. sometimes that happens where you look at it and you're like, okay, it's a little different now. But no, we we pretty much like you know when you ask the indies to rate the indie games, you get the games that we thought were very good, and when you ask the triple A's to rate the triple A games, you get the games we think are very good. Exactly. Exactly. So that's nice. Yeah, watching Inscription win was really nice. I was getting really worried for unpacking, and then they won a bunch of awards as well. Yeah. Uh, so that was really lovely. I've um um because we don't have too much time left. Yeah. It's going to be a short one today. I uh, I just wanted to add real quick. I've been playing Kirby. Ah, how is that? You know what? It's good. Okay. It has that Nintendo quality of we made something work that really shouldn't work. <laughs> I love that so much. Three Day Kirby really shouldn't work, and it just it hardcore works here. Oh my god! I I love all Kirby games normally. Right, um, they're like no, my safe, uh, safe place. So I, I can't play till I start this one. Very good, nice. very good. Uh, it immediately feels right, 
And one thing they could fix with the 3D is that you can't really fly over the level all that much. Yeah. Because they kind of lock the camera uh, a little. Ah, Not I entirely, see. but it, enough that it's hard to just fly over. That's good. I um, mean, they need to constrain that mechanic a bit. Yep, yep. And they did. And it works really, really well. Is yeah, it, so is it open so world? It's open world. It's it's pretty it's pretty linear so far, but mm. it, it feels it feels like there's lots of space to play around in. Nice. Yep. I'm, I'm looking anyway. forward to play that. Yeah. Anyway, we got to yeah. wrap this up because I think we both have we, meetings right after this. We both have things <laughs> to do immediately after. Yeah. Uh, Rami is getting busy again, but at least now we have more chances of meeting up in real life. So there's right. there's that uh, silver lining. And and one more thing we need to really quickly touch on before our four minutes are up. Yeah. Uh, by this time this episode comes out, it's going to be Ramadan. It's Ramadan. It's like Ramadan in two days. Just like we said last year. You blink and it's back again. It's back. <laughs> it's back. We only did four episodes of the Habibis between last time we mentioned Ramadan and now. Uh, there you go. Little did we know. Ramadan just came <laughs> back. <laughs> it's, it's back. <laughs> Um, uh, Ramadan so yeah, Karim, everybody. Yep. If you're listening to this, Ramadan Karim, uh, we actually still haven't really set up anything for Ramadan. We need to probably yeah. look at that. I wonder if we can do Sahur bites. I probably not have the time, but maybe something less uh, work intensive. We'll, we'll, we'll try and figure something out. <laughs> we'll figure something out. Yeah. Inshallah. Yeah. Ramadan Karim, everybody. Thank you Ramadan Karim. for joining yep. us. And on and behalf listening. of Osama, Ramadan Karim. And you know what? I'm going to see if I can get an audio clip of him. And if, if I can get an audio clip of him, I'm going to edit it in right here. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Cool. Good. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, Ramadan Karim, everybody. Thank you for joining hey, us. Karim. This was uh, this week's episode of the Habibi. Join us next week for more, but for the time being, salam. Salam. Wait, I need to start the music. Oh, no. I'm good at this. <laughs> Very good at this. I'm practiced. We've only been doing this for uh, more than a year now. Okay, <laughs> That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I am Fauzi Masmar, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Fauzi Masmar. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias, and Rami Ismail, who you can find on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. Intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubela, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea, with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcasting service, or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening. Salam. <laughs>